3: This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast, helping you out of the gray
4: and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer. Welcome into Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer, and today we have a first, and I say first, it's a first, to first of this type of guests to general manager for the NFL. We've had on head coaches, we've had on players, we've had on fighters, we've had on veterans, we've had on celebrity chefs in the past and, and rock stars and actors and actresses, but never in NFL GM, which is weird because I work in the NFL. But before I get <laughs> with him, if you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year, yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality quality of life through empathy and action. All right, again, welcome into Unbreakable Mental Health Podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer, and this right here is John Schneider, the general manager of the Seattle Seahawks, somebody I've known for a long time. I met him in Kansas City in the 90s, and here he is as a Super Bowl champion and one of the most respected executives in the National Football League. And I wanted to have him come on here. Uh A, love the guy. But B, like people don't realize, you know, as the leader of a team, what these guys, the general managers, have to deal with as far as mental health, as far as different players, how they deal with their families, and how this job has changed over the years. Now we talk so much about mental health. This wasn't really the case two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago when, when Schneider first got involved. So first of all, buddy, Thank you for joining the Unbreakable Podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jay. Uh, how about stuff?
4: this? Hey, yeah. let's be honest, be honest. Are you more excited to come on this show or when you won a Super Bowl and Strahan was interviewing you guys on the podium?
2: I think I'm gonna go with Strahan interviewing us on the podium.
4: Are you sure about that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Really? And, I, and I and I no, and I do I do appreciate you know you have me on and everything, but you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean that way for the time. I'm gonna end. give
4: you a chance to reconsider that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's funny funny when you're describing that, right? Because when when you're describing that your introduction and everything, you know, uh, and again, thanks for having me on. But, you know, it's basically like managing in a general fashion. You know, you're not trained for specific issues that come your way, come across your desk. So that's an interesting way to look at it.
4: it. Right. It is. Well, but here's the thing. General managers, right, your job, for the most part, you get brought to a team to get players, to get talent. But that's not really the job. Right, you got to deal with every freaking problem that comes across every player's desk, every coach's desk, every player's wife. (laughs) Their issues, their families, their problems. So, when you first got the job as general manager, what year was that?
2: It was two thousand and ten. Two thousand ten. Yeah, but I was in a I was in a uh, leadership role. At a very young age, with the with Marty Schottenheimer at the Redskins, I That's was twenty nine. Right. Okay, yeah, and we were in we were in our house for eight months, so that it was an amazing experience.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were one of the casualties of Dan yeah, Snyder. Yes, yeah, right. you're gonna you're gonna
2: you're gonna, jo- you're gonna join Marty Schottenheimer. That guy never gets fired. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Dan Snyder, he never fires anybody. Right? <laughs> we went we
2: went we, we went eight we went eight and eight, missed the playoffs by one game. Brian Erlacher on a fake field goal. And, uh, we got fired. Yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, so,
5: (laughs) yeah, so, um,
2: and my, and my oldest son was born, you know, eight days after that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, (laughs) so, so, uh, yeah, so, but then, so they went back to, uh, uh, Green Bay, uh, was in the leadership role in Green Bay for a number of years. Uh, my second time in Green Bay, uh, working with, uh, Ted Thompson and, and, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy came on board and that that whole group of guys, which was awesome uh I have family in Green Bay, so getting back there and then and then was there eight years came back uh, out to Seattle, partnered up with uh pete and we've we've been blessed to be here for uh fourteen years.
4: but what point in the job did you realize and I say this to head coaches all the time and and or aspiring head coaches, aspiring general managers, be careful what you wish for because you think you guys are about coaching players and getting talent and stuff. And the stuff that's about to come across your desk, there is no amount of schooling that could prepare you for that.
2: No, exactly. You know, and especially, you know, with the mental health issue. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I think I've told you before, I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't see myself, you know, as much as we focus on development here and and empathy and, and the whole, you know, the LOB thing was really, you know, started as uh with, with DQ, uh, with Dan Quinn and like love, you know, love our brothers. Right. And, uh, You know, as much empathy and, you know, as much fun and the culture that we have built here and everything, you know, I I never saw myself, I mean, we prided ourselves on our people skills and, and, uh, our empathy levels, but I never envisioned myself, you know, in my uh, hotel room in, in Dallas holding a six foot, hugging a six foot five, you know, 335 pound man. It's, you know, having a, you know, having a breakdown and, uh, you know, these, you're, you're not prepared. You're not prepared for those things. You know, how do you quickly how,
4: how do you get prepared for like how did you is it just learned on the fly is it just going with the yeah, yeah. ability is it leaning yeah, that, into other experts
2: yeah after that yes but you know the initial the initial um times that i've gone through it with uh players and or their their family members it's really like hey you know just just how do we help yeah you know, our whole our whole program is like you know how can we make you know people be the best they could possibly be enable people to do their best um enable them to do their jobs and so that's just a natural, like, hey, you know, tell me what you're going through. Be a good listener. It's okay to get help. You know, I had I had a employee, you know, probably three weeks ago that, you know, it was just I could just tell it was down. You know, like, hey, look, like, you know, we got to talk. And you know, started, you know, he started bringing me through the process and telling me what was going on, just to be there and listen, and then to say, hey, you know, those barriers that we've had, like, you know, existed when you and I were growing up. They don't, they don't exist anymore. Right. We have all, we can, we can, we can get help. We can talk to each other. You know, I, I think just being able to, you know, just basic, you know, humanity, being a good person and, and trying to, you know, trying to listen to people and help them with their issues and then steer them to the clinicians and to the experts. And because at a certain point, you know, like you are saying before, at a certain point, you know, I'm kind of like a start, it's a starting point. I can help you and listen to you, but then, you know, we have to move on here. You need to go see this person and this person, and this person. And then, yeah, I always tell people, you know, guys like myself are put in this job for evaluating football players and, you know, negotiating with agents and that sort of thing. But then, you know, once you are in that leadership role, people that have never really been around an office setting and worked with trainers and doctors and, you know, the coaches on a daily basis and the sports science people and video and the fields, people and the cafeteria, you know, if you've never been around that, then I was very blessed at a very young age to do that in Green Bay. But if you haven't been around that, you don't. You're evaluating all these people. You're not just evaluating football players. You know, I'm evaluating, you know, Jay, and 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 when and that, what that means is, how can I help Jay? That doesn't mean I'm evaluating him. It doesn't mean I'm judging him. Right. It means I, I have to know my fellow employees as much as I possibly can to make them be the to help them be the best that they possibly can be.
4: But you also have to know Jay and Jay's family and Jay's pressures and Jay, you know, the outside influences of Jay and all those different things that again, like you guys didn't sign up for. There was one GM will call me once whose player just went off the reservation had a really bad mental health breakdown. And he's just like, Hey, I know you've helped a lot of players and vets. Uh, Where do we go? What do we do? And that wasn't too long ago. And, you know, there's not a lot of, I mean, I think in the CBA, you guys are only required to have a mental health professional on site two days a week, which no Exactly. Sense. So the NFL is so far behind this. It's I don't say it's a Wild West, but it's like you're kind of learning as you go.
2: Absolutely. You know, we went to uh, Sam Ramson, our, our uh, sports science director, and I went to New Zealand several years ago, probably like eight years ago now, and uh, spent time with uh, the All Blacks and several of the rugby teams over there. That's a the baddest one,
4: team right there now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there yeah.
2: was, there was there was one team in particular that they only had uh 34 players and uh, they had basically what, what you and I would refer to as six player development people. And, you know, so you think of it like, you know, wow. most NFL teams have one. Uh We have we have three here. But, you know, to your point about, you know, try, trying to get to learn Jay and his outside uh, stressors and everything, having a diverse group of people in that in that realm is, is so important.
4: Yeah. I mean look again like I said the stuff that comes across your desk there's player arrest there's drugs there's you know issues with family members issues with family members getting arrested people having mental health breakdowns when you have no idea about it you think they're they're fine in front of you and then all of a sudden there's an issue in the locker room again you have to deal with all this so you've got to be the leader right and I always say this and I, look I came and talked to, to the Seahawks and I said this in front of all you guys said man the leader's got to take care of everybody else but who takes care of the leaders? So when you, John Schneider, are having a bad mental health day, do you let people see it? Or do you say, nope, I got to make sure that I'm kind of running the ship in a certain way? And and then, like, how do you deal with it when you got to be there for everybody else?
2: You know, I'm sure there's days that, uh, you know, after a loss or something where I'm probably not totally on top of my game, But <laughs> um, or if we're going through a real stressful negotiation or something like that. But you know, I would say first and foremost, my faith, right? I mean, I really rely on my faith heavily and I have a really, really strong teammate in my wife, Tracy, and we've been through a lot together. We've been together for 27 years. You know, we're really close and, and I can, I can share anything with her and she could tell when I need to calm down a little bit or she knows what my stressors are and I can confide in her. We have a very open policy here in terms of, you know, we call it just no walls. And so, you know, being able to have. Other people, we interact with people so much on a daily basis that people are feel free to say, "Hey, everything going okay, John? Like, can I take any, Can I take anything off your plate?" And so, you know, we've stressed that since uh, since we walked in those doors in 2010. I would say, Jay, though, first of all, I'm so proud of everything that you've done with 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 in this arena, and then you know, take all the the, the TV stuff and the you know the tight suits and the big fat ties and stuff like <laughs> that. Take that stuff out of it. Just, uh, coming up here and talking to the guys, you know, that meant a lot to a lot of players. And, you know, they see you in a, they see you in a certain realm and, and we need, we, we need uh, more powerful advocates like yourself. So good on you, man. You know how proud I am.
4: And, and that's exactly what I mean too. Like you're the top guy in that building, but you also like this big, fun personality over there. Even when you're struggling, do you, do you fake it and always have that big personality around people or do you show it when you're going through it? Uh, cuz I cuz you know me I always faked it. I put the glaze yeah, on, right? I was yeah, on TV. Yeah. When I first came out with my mental health issues, people were shocked. They're like, "What? You're the laughy jokey guy." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm the laughy jokey guy cuz I'm hot, trying to hide the pain that I'm in."
2: Yeah. Yeah, I would say that there's uh specific times as a leader where it you it's you you, you have to fake it. And people could say, "No, that be, you know, BS, you Yeah, there's times you have to just power through it mm-hmm. and, and and fake it. I don't know if "fake" it fakes the right word, but right. Uh, the right description. It, right. But yeah, you, you need to hide it and, and, and power through things because people can't. You can't let people, you know, see things affect you in, in a certain manner. You know, one of the things that's really cool about being here and you know working for this organization and working with Pete is that he is such a positive individual. I think everybody yeah. knows that. And he's
4: Pete he, is like he looks, a walking Zoloft.
3: yeah there you go
2: he's just his brain's just um on fire you know 24 hours a day and if i do get in a rut if i'm having a you know one of those days it's like a and it's really it really is more of like a uh a situational thing like i i said earlier it's 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 you know it could be a just a really bad negotiation or a bad conversation with an agent or you know, something where, you know, he notices is my point and he'll be like, right. you know, Hey Johnny, you know, hey, he's like, yeah. he's awesome. Like Johnny, like, oh, come on, come on to my office. We've got going on. And then, you know, he notices and, and, and uh, okay. I, I can, I can flip pretty quick with that. We did have a day though, Jay, my first day on the job, Todd Liewicky, Do you remember Todd? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. He runs the Kraken now and he'll probably deny this, but you know, we, <laughs> we, we, we go through all we go through all the press conferences and everything and, we get done with all that stuff and I'm, I'm at my desk and he's like, Hey, uh, by the way, you know, uh, our cap, we gotta, we gotta take 20 million in cash off that cap by, uh, September 1st.
4: And you're like, I don't know. I'm how to like, count that
2: high. And <laughs> you neglected to tell me that before you offered me the job.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, at so day Blake. one sucked so, from being the GM so yeah, there. And,
2: oh, and then, and then Rich Gannon had me on his show like right after that. So I'm sitting there. Luckily, I was like on the, it. Was like on the radio, and I had my trash can sitting like right in front of me. Like, would I get myself into like anxiety level off the chain right now?
4: <laughs> Throw I'm up in like, your trash can? <laughs> yeah, am I gonna am I gonna get
2: sick in my trash can on you know on, on, on the radio? <laughs> what? But it was cool though. This is a cool lesson. It's a cool kind of lesson though because he he and he said to me that day. Then he came back down. He's like, yeah, Brian, I threw that at you. You know, uh, uh, come out to my office. Like, can you come up and talk to me real quick and. Great leader, great phenomenal people skills, as you well know. I went up and he's like, "When you're most effective, like, what does that? What does that look like for you?" And I was like, "Well, I you know, I make to do lists, and I you know, I, I get my to do list, and I bang, 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 and then I I'm in a flow, and I'm, I'm in my 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 jam, I'm in my flow state, and you know, I, I know where to go." He's like, "Well, uh, when was the last time you made a, a to do list?" I was like, "Wow, good point. It's been like three days now because there was so much stuff going on at the time, and the other part of it was." I hadn't prayed a lot either in in that period. And so I'm like, wait, 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 let's just get back to basics here. You know what I mean? Like, okay, $20 million, you know, no big deal, (laughs) Todd.
4: I think it's a great lesson here for people though. Like there are certain habits that we always need to practice every day. And when you get away from them, that's when you get in trouble. And I I found myself doing it. Like I now have a new practice every single morning before I ever look at my phone because our phone's nothing but problems. Like none of us actually are the heir to $2 billion from a Nigerian prince. That's not actually going to happen on our phone, right? So there's nothing good that happens on our phone. So before I ever, ever, ever look at my phone now, I do this 10 minutes of breath work. I do this five-minute meditation. I do a quick little workout, and I do this gratitude list. So it's like, you know, 20 minutes a day. And, and I, and at night too, I make sure I do this three minute prayer to God every single night. And I do this new, like little meditation I learned at night, but when I, life gets too busy for me and I, I realize I don't practice them every day. That's when the roommates in my head really start barking and not talking nicely to each other. And I've got to like, make sure I got to get back to doing this. I have to make sure I do it every single day. So that's a great lesson. That, Absolutely. That just Good said. for you. Good for you. You know, and I think what happens with a lot of people in your position, any, any position of, Pressure and stress and where you think there's too few hours in the day, it's real easy to to neglect your mental health and physical health thinking there's just not enough time and hours in the day. And we get lost.
2: Yeah. And we we, we talk about this here, Jay, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, some of our things in the building, but, you know, our football operation and we try to keep it, you know, as simple as we possibly can so that we we have our open lines of communication. It's just easy. It's really plan, communicate, And work, right? We have to plan and we have to have have a a good vision. And this is what my point is, this is what brings us back to our basics and brings us like, okay, we know what's coming, right? And you try to take the fear and anxiety out of it. We're going to plan. We're going to over-communicate because when people tell you they're really good communicators, not true. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, okay, we're amazing communicators. We constantly have to work on our communication skills, right? And then just the work, We 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 pride ourselves on being an organization that, you know, doesn't come across like we're smarter than everybody else and everything. We're just going to we're just going to outwork you. And that's really kind of what brings us everybody here, like back to plan, communicate, work. And then that's how we roll.
5: or perfect home sweet home. How do you compartmentalize?
4: And what I mean by that is you get players, they get arrested. You have you know, get players who get suspended for drugs. You get players who get their life savings stolen from them. You've got, you know, coaches who have issues that you have to sideline and for an office people. How do you compartmentalize when those things come across your desk? Because they're also human things. These are people you care about. These are people who do, it's not that they work for you. It's a different level when you split, sweat, and bleed together in there for a common goal of something great. How do you compartmentalize that?
2: Oh man,
4: I want to know from a general. Am I? Am am I? Am
2: I? Am I I on your couch right now? I didn't know we were getting on the couch. I know we were just doing the podcast. I hope you, if
4: you are on my couch, I'm charging your fucking ass five hundred dollars an hour. No, but from a general manager's perspective, how do you compartmentalize? There's it? all,
2: you basically kind of walk through it. There's always different buckets. And so, you know, they're all individuals. Everybody's totally different, right? Every situation's different. If I'm reading a, a domestic violence report, okay, uh, that's, this one is completely different than this one. And what does this one look like? And then, you know, who do I talk to about, you know, helping how are we helping everybody that's involved in that situation first, right? same thing with whether it's somebody that has issues with a family member or you know a loss of life or you know, hey, okay, how are we helping them and mo Kelly's are played about so he he's amazing at it, it but terrific, yes yeah he's he's somebody that when you say, "How do you deal with it?" I can confide in him about you know certain things and the, and and ask him, you know, hey, am I looking at this correctly? you know how do you feel about it and then You know, we can discuss that and, and all these situations are so different. Our George, you know, George and security, you know, we, we just, we just have to open up and and communicate, you know, what our crisis plans are and all that. And then, um, you know, Dave Pearson's part of that as well. And so, you know, I think it's really when I look at it, you know, with all those different situations, it's like, first and foremost, how do we help the player? Is the family okay? you know, is is everybody, is everything okay? Is the crisis like for the time being, I know things could get worse for the time being, is everybody safe? Is everybody okay? You know, if it's a DUI, if there was an accident, is the other, are the other people okay? You know, is the player okay? The people that were involved in the accident, is there, you know, are they okay? And then, you know, really it's, it's like we talked about earlier is there, there's no training for it. It's just your, what your, what your level of empathy is and what your level of, you know, how quickly you can make decisions and, and really, you know, um, you joke around about the big personality and that sort of thing. And I, and I do pride myself on trying to be like a fun, you know, we're going to work our tails off, but we're going to have a lot of fun. You know, it is one of those things where, you know, that does kind of help lighten the mood and it helps other people as much as it helps me, you know, personally.
4: I wrote in my book, Unbreakable, one of the three pillars I use for my, my depression, anxiety is laughter. Right, it's a weapon to get from yeah. the gray to the blue. So I, I think it's it's yeah. definitely a great tool for us.
2: Absolutely, right. absolutely. And I, you know, I've had uh, personal experiences too when when it comes to you know high anxiety levels, where you know I, I have that level of empathy for players when they're going through those sort of you know rough anxiety times. Right. You know. You know. I went through one when, you know, when my son Ben was diagnosed with autism, he was three years old. It's like, okay, it just rocks your world, right? Okay, how are we going to get through this? So, you know, I'm not a mental health expert, but as long as you could point people to the experts. Right. But also just right away, that initial conversation of having like, okay, I get where you're coming from. Everybody's experienced things like this.
4: Yeah. Before I I shift to something else, you just brought up Ben because I wanted to bring this up. So tell everybody about... Ben's artwork because I have Ben's art all over my house. Yeah, so okay, yeah ben, cool. ben is autistic and he's now twenty. Oh, how old is Ben? Twenty-one. Twenty-one years old. And up until a couple of years ago, they didn't know that Ben has this unbelievable talent. So I want you to tell people really quick about this, and then the yeah. website where to go buy. The, like, folks, go on this website right now. Give me the website first.
2: It's smallegoart.com. Okay. And it's smallegoart.com because he, he talks in a very serious manner. Right. He talks like, he talks like one of the older guys from the Muppets that sat up on that, uh, <laughs>
4: in that theater. The two grouchy guys. Yes.
2: Yeah. 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 And, 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 so, you know, if, if you say, Ben, man, that's a great piece of art. It'd be like, please don't say that,
4: dad. It's not, that's
2: not appropriate. You know, I don't, you don't know. I don't have a very big ego. <laughs> and so, you know, Tracy, uh, runs all, you know, runs the business forum and my wife Tracy and, and so they just came up with it one day, like, how about small ego art.com, Ben? He's like, yeah, small ego art. That's cool. I like him because they kind of look like yes album covers, you know,
4: folks, you got to look at these things. He is a genius. It looks like one day he sat there and said, yeah, I'm going to go uh, check out a Jackson Pollock book and then just became Jackson Pollock overnight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you had no idea he was able to do that beforehand, right? Like he, he always
2: loved art. And then, uh, he really, he really started once he graduated from high school. He really got into art classes and then kind of just started. There's a lady named Nicole Nichols, who's his mentor, and she brought him down this really cool path of one of her best friends. Rachel is a, is, a, is an artist here in, in the Northwest. And they just started, you know, bouncing stuff off each other and zooming all the time. And yeah. And so it just really, really took off. So, uh, it's, it's fun. Obviously we're super proud of him. It's
4: incredible. I have four of his art. In my house?
2: Yeah, cool. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah, that's awesome. Next to
4: my fireplace, one of the wine rack, and then one over another area. It's unbelievable, folks. You got to go on and look. I'm,
2: but don't, but know, don't tell him.
4: Yeah,
2: don't say that to him. That's well, we not, did a feature not, on it
4: on Fox NFL Sunday last year. Yeah,
2: that's right. That's right. And, that's, and that's I was supposed to be there, cool. and
4: I ended up, of all weeks, I got COVID, come, couldn't come out there, which was, yeah. oh my gosh. So, again, I want to go back for somebody who wants to be a general manager in the NFL or says, oh, it's the coolest job ever. What's the most stressful thing about being a GM in the NFL?
2: For me personally, it's it's uh, probably uh, the bigger negotiations. Fortunately or unfortunately, we have a salary cap and we don't have fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL like the NBA and Major League Baseball and, and uh, you know, uh, hockey. So we have a lot of different silos to negotiate and within each one of these contracts. So as much as we try to talk to, to the guys about like, hey, this, this is business, this isn't personal, it's still, it's still hard. When you're, you know, at some it's, point it's you have to kind of like place the a, other
4: side. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And you know, we've, we've all been through negotiations when it's, it's your world and what that looks like. So I would say that's probably, that's probably the most stressful thing for me personally, because I, I love trying to help people. I love trying to like help people, you know, advance any way they possibly can. Mm-hmm. So to say, tell somebody like, well, you know, you're not quite this. You're not quite that this number and that number. And, and that, that's probably the hardest. Also, uh, you know, letting people go, especially, uh, cap casually guys, you know, when you just, you know, you've built relationships with, with, with guys and they've built real strong, strong relationships in the building and in the community. And then, you know, you have to have that really ugly conversation. And then you just, you know, you, you hope and pray that, that time heals all wounds.
4: Do you take that home or through, or do you just now say to yourself, that's part of the business or does it always affect you?
2: No, I think it always stays with, it always stays with you. And I, and I do, yeah, I take it home and, and, you know, I talk to Tracy about it. And my brother uh, is eight years older than me and, and had a team of negotiators for a long time at American Express. And so we would always share those things too, like what he was going through. And so that, that helped a lot.
5: perfect home sweet home.
4: I think the other interesting part now is just the evolution. So like I got a buddy playing played in the NFL who took a four-game suspension saying that he had a drug issue when he actually he had a mental health breakdown. But he would rather have people thought he was on drugs than had mental health issues. And wow. it wasn't that long ago that it happened. So I think if you look now at least inside teams, right? You're, there's still guys hiding it. I think now it's a lot more open, right, for your players uh, and for people upstairs there say, okay, I'm struggling, I'm going through something. Like that stigma has definitely been taken away. What what are kind of some of the things that you guys now do that you wouldn't have done five years ago?
2: Oh, man, I think uh, there's a ton of them, Jay. I don't know really how to begin, but just that alertness. I, I was I was just talking to a, a AD about this this weekend. We were actually talking about mental health and how do we help people, right, because we can't. You know, in the NFL, we, we can't make people get help, right? And so in, in the college world, you know, they can get directly to their parents and, and sit with the kids and really try to help. But, you know, what, what, what are the alerts is what, you know, so is it, you know, Eric in equipment? Is it, you know, is it Sam in sports science? Is it, you know, is it people in the cafeteria that are noticing guys just being down? And, you know, we, we had a cool thing, you know, so like what it was, what does our collective look like in terms of how we're helping? and noticing. And then can we go through Mo or, you know, the position coach or something to say, Hey, you know, everything cool. Like, you know, is there anything you want to talk about? Or, you know, instead of just putting our heads down and just grinding through the work week.
4: Is there anything you'd like to see implemented that's not implemented yet or changed or like, I'll give an example. Like for me personally, I would love to see a, yeah, a mental health expert, at least one to be on every team like Cause you got to build relationships, not just two days a week, but also that their office like down next to the weight room or over by the cafeteria where everybody could see you instead of upstairs away from everybody where a lot of places have. Give me some ideas that you would love to see.
2: Yeah. I think, evolve. you know, I think just what we had talked about earlier with, you know, the, the player development staff having some like background uniqueness, like a, everybody having different backgrounds. So, you know, different individuals feel comfortable just calling to somebody and talking to them and, so you know, we so have
4: bigger, more diverse staff of what type? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and obviously, like you said, you know, a full time, you know, clinician, but you know, we have, you know, we have 69 guys on our team. We'll have 120, 140 guys through here, you know, a year. So it's hard. It's, it's hard to build up that. You know, real, uh, those relationships, you know, uh we did a really cool thing this year. We made our 53. When we cut down from from um, 90 to 53, we just really focused on, like, this is just another day. This is, you know, we we understand this is disappointing that you're not making a team per se. But, you know, we we, we have to go to 53 players. We're really going to have 69 players. And we're going to try to get you back on our practice squad. And this is what you did well. Bang, 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 bang. Instead of, like, how you see on... I don't want to say ballers, but what's the, no, other... no? we
4: don't do that on ballers. Hard knocks. One.
2: Hard, 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 knocks. We're like, wah, wah, wah. Wah. take your, take your iPad to the general manager's office. <laughs> we tried making it really positive And honestly it really helped because in the next morning the guys showed up, they're like, Hey, okay, here we go. you're know, happy back in the building. And so really it really was the approach like that positive, because that's a huge, you know, uh, as you very well know, you know, going, go, you know, 90 players down to 53, those guys are, man, they're looking around like, you know, they start counting numbers. They're anxious. They're very worried. They're concerned. So, okay, look, like we're going to have a plan. We're a plan for you. We don't know if it's going to happen that you'll be back here right away, but at some point we'd like to get you back, come through the building. You know, we'll talk to other teams about you. If your agent wants us to that sort of thing, just like make it a more more, more positive approach. And uh those guys really helped out with it. EK, Mo. Uh, Sue, so just everybody in the building we really focused on our, our poor interns were like, oh man, they were you know, we had our two interns are like, we're like, okay, you gotta go get that guy and that guy. And we're like, okay, but you gotta be you gotta How's make a food. They're <laughs> kinda of like, oh Should,
4: no. You said your interns to be the Turk to go get these guys? Well, oh my gosh.
2: you gotta get you got to start <laughs> you gotta start somewhere.
4: <laughs> when you have a player that you know just doesn't have it. That's it. Should not play in the NFL, doesn't have it. Are you very very honest with them, saying, "Hey man, this is just not your career," or are you more of like, "Hey, this just isn't the place for you. Go try somewhere else." Yeah, what's your, it's, what's it's a, your approach it, with that?
2: It's a, it's a great question. It never it never gets to that, Jay, because we don't we're not going to bring people through the building that just can't play. Like there there is there they have to have. We're emphasizing the positives on these guys all the time. Like what do you what, do, what are the redeeming qualities, and can we accentuate those qualities? As well as helping them with their deficiencies, so it never comes down to you can't play. It's more like, hey, you know how we talked about, in the, you know, we talked about this in the spring, buddy. Like when you get to preseason, you really gotta, you really gotta be a ball around special teams. Like you gotta come through. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. You know, now you imp- you improved in this area, this area, this area, and then, and that's great. But you need to, you know, your next stop. As close as it gets to what you're saying, like where you can't, they, you know, they right. they may not play again. Make sure when you get back, you know, with another club, you really get with the special teams coaches and you really buy, you buy in there. And or, you know, whether it could be pass, it could be pass pro, it could be, you know, studying on a defensive side. It's just it, it varies by position.
4: You have a better approach than I do.
2: Well, I, no, 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 we're not talking about college reports where it just says
4: reject. Okay. Hey, that's a whole story. Okay. So here's my, my philosophy, right? And training players in mixed martial arts for all these years, I've always had this philosophy. You got 10% of the world, man. They are fucking gangsters. They are Chuck Liddell and Aaron Donald and James Harrison. And man, they are ballers, right? And John Schneider,
2: I appreciate
4: it. I get it. John, John Schneider, yeah. Randy Couture. Yeah. I was going to bring those two up, right? Yeah, yeah. And then ten percent, they are just well. There's a certain word I use. I'm not going to use it here, but just they're fucking wusses. They're just they're just not there. They don't have that. They just don't have that in them. And then the other eighty percent can get coached one way or the other. Can get coached toward being in that top percent, or can yeah. actually get affected and go down down in that bottom ten percent. And there's been a couple of players we've trained over the past, and I have called their Jams in like the first ten minutes. I'm like, nope, no shot. Like, what do you mean? They're like, they're that bottom ten percent. No chance. They're like, well, we, we sent them out there to for you to teach them hand violence and teach them that fighter mentality. I'm like, and I'm telling you, they're not a fighter. No chance. So it's like I but I yeah, but I just think like, hey, the quicker I can tell you, the better off you are. Let's I'm not saying you're a bad person. It's just just a sport of violence is not for you. That is it. Yeah. No, it's oh, you're, you. you're
2: yeah, you're just, you're just you're, you're, no. You're, you're describing performance indicators, right? So you have you got to be hitting these performance indicators, and if you're not hitting them, but let's let's discuss it too. You know, Pete and I released a guy here in 2000. Oh shoot, the year the year we won the, the Super Bowl, we released we released a player, and he's like, well, what's my performance plan? Like, what do I need to work on? We were like, wow, I you know, he's like, well, usually you know when people get let go, you know, you get a performance plan. So we were like, you know what? We need, we need to be hitting all these guys up like, Hey, you need to be working on this, 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 and this. <laughs> okay. So you're just not, so that, so they're not caught off guard, you know, they, they know what's going on. And like anything, you're talking about the performance markers. You have to let all people want to know is like, you know, where do they need to get better? That's in any industry, marketing, ticketing, whatever. What, what can I do to get better? What's, you know, what, what, what's my performance plan? And right. as long as you're discussing those with those people, then you're, that you, would think you're evaluating those guys, those people that you sit in that bottom, 10%, 10%. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're not messing with them anymore. They're yeah. moving on, right.
4: right? Right, right, Yeah. Well, I'm just like, yeah. Well, so you're not going to put them in a, in a sport of violence when that's just it's just not who they are. It's just not part and there's nothing I could possibly do to get them to that, even that from the 80% to the 10% into that group. To Right. Right, to compete on that, to compete in a game of violence.
2: Right. Exactly,
4: (laughs) and how about me? Like trying to dance around how I normally talk about it. What am I ever (laughs) doing? That's Because you know, I've called you in the past, like guys. I got this guy right now. Holy fuck, he's driving me nuts. And (laughs) and I just start going. (laughs) No,
2: no, no! You don't fire him yet. (laughs) (laughs) Give him another day. This was his first day at work. Give him, give him another day.
4: (laughs) I tell you, was was great one time because I've I've seen also like. Football players and fighters, have social media has gotten bigger and bigger, they tend to too often fight or play to not lose because they don't want to be a meme or they don't want to see bad social media out on them instead of just fighting to go, go, just go. Fuck it. Let's go. Right. So uh Randy Couture actually changed the way I coached a few years ago. And he's like, hey, we can't tell guys anymore what we don't want. Don't tell them what you don't want. Just tell them what you do want. So if this guy keeps dropping his hand, don't tell him not to drop his hand anymore just tell him to keep that hand up and why over and over and over and over. Just don't say anymore. Hey man, stop dropping your hand. So he, he altered the way I coached. And I thought it was pretty interesting.
2: I love it. No, I love it. Right. And then, yeah. And then focus, fo- but the, like focusing on those positives.
4: Yeah. Cause that's what people yeah. need. And, and I think yeah. also there's so much negativity on, on social media now that even like a style of coaching that old, you know, negativity that man, it's just not going to work anymore. These kids and these young men, they need to be, loved up with more positivity now than ever before because we see so much hate in our world if you're on social media a lot. That's
2: so what I love. That's what, you know, uh, working with Pete, you know, like you can see him, Coach Carroll, you can see him lift people up. Right. I always tell I always tell people when, when, when I'm asked about him, I'm like, you know, I would say his ability and still confidence in people is probably his number one quality. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's super positive. Obviously, he's got the football stuff just knocked out of the park. But his his ability to instill confidence in people. You know, I, I don't know if you saw our, our Giants game um on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago or whatever, and you know, Gino got hurt. Drew's gonna come in the game, and he's right he's right there with Drew just like punching him in the chest and like, Let's go, man, you get to go, you get to go play again. Isn't this cool instead of being like, Oh god, here we go. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Look, I got one more question before I let you go, but also what I love here about just so you know, a Pete, Pete is like a huge practical joker and think i'm the level of insider that i am because i know what goes on in that building you never know when a practical joke is going to like you know change up a day and i've been in your facility now like three different times where pete i know is targeted me for a joke and they've been like hey uh pete wants to see you in his office i'm like no screw you i'm not going up to see pete no no shot no chance zero chance i'm going to see him and he's like no 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 i'm like no pete i already know what you guys are going to try to." absolutely not i'm not going up there but he is uh I I do think it's one of his best qualities is keeping that fun in that building. No matter what, no matter if you guys are struggling or if you guys are winning, you at least have that levity in there, which is great.
2: Yeah, we have the scooters. We have like the scooters in the building. I'm like, when do we get scooters? I don't remember anybody asking me about scooters. Like, do we really want players riding scooters around? I don't. But he's like, (laughs) no, Johnny, it's a blast. It's a blast. I'm like, okay, as long as nobody gets hurt on them. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and he'll be like he'll like cruising around he'll like zip right down the hall just come busting right through here
4: i before i let you go i ask every one of my guests this question give me your unbreakable moment in life like the thing that could have and should have broken you but didn't and as a result you came through the other side of the tunnel stronger forever that's a good question isn't it johnny oh
2: uh, that's a really good question um <laughs> uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with, uh, um, I'm going with, uh, Ben, you know, Ben's, uh, his autism diagnosis because, because, you know, he was interacting with us and then had his MMR injection and went the other way and then was just off by himself in a corner playing with, you know, his, uh, Thomas the train stuff and just, just totally went into a different world. And, and that, you know, the divorce rate is, is like 82%. And, You know, I think that getting through that and, and, uh, really relying on our faith and Tracy and I working together as a team was like, wow, we can, we can get through this, you know, and, and we can, yeah, we can, we can, we can do anything. You know, we can get through this stuff. That's, you know, it's not, you know, I mean, there's been a couple that could have gone the other way. I was, you know, I was 25 years old working for Marty Schottenheimer, like sitting across from his office because Terry Bradway, my boss would like, he had hired me as a uh, pro director there, but he loved like Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson. He loved going college scouting all the time, but so he would leave. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm sitting here with Marty Schottenheimer's office. I'm like four years ago. I was like at my college house watching the, watching these guys play on TV. I like, this is Marty Schottenheimer. So I'm like, I was pretty stressed out. Yeah.
4: you the moment with Ben is, and you, yeah, know, I, yeah. you never know. And I've talked to you on Tracy about this don't try and figure life out. You never know why things happen in life, but with you to raising a, a child with autism and how much you've turned it around to help so many other families with children with autism, that's the best thing you've done in your life. Not when yeah, no,
2: I, 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 no, it's amazing. I pre- no, I appreciate you saying yeah. that. And, and Tracy's, I mean, she's, she's really dove into that and, and it's been, it's been awesome. It's been really, really opening. Um, but it's been awesome. But yeah, clearly that's, uh, you know, you're, how did you, how did you say that again? What was, that's your unbreakable moment.
4: Yeah. your unbreakable yeah. moment. That's the unbra- thing yeah. that made you unbreakable. And people don't know the other end of that is Schneides was interviewing for a, a GM job when he got news that Ben was diagnosed with autism and just left, went home and just went back to his family. Obviously didn't take the job. So there's been a lot that you've, that this is managed. It's, it's a, it's a lot. It's heavy. It's a lot. You have to go through. But what you guys have done with it,
2: has I appreciate been the you. I, you know, you know, I. Time. I really appreciate you saying that. How many? How many unbreakable moments have you had? Me? Yeah.
4: I, oh, Snikey. Mine was my lungs deal when I almost died. You know, from the double aspiration uh, eight years ago. Yeah. When I when I, when I yeah, was probably critical, a good one when I was in critical when I was in critical care for a week and oxygen tank for a month and they told me I was the worst case of uh, someone aspirating that they, that have ever survived. The, the wildest thing about that, I woke up on a gurney at Cedar Sinai, and Randy Couture, he was my emergency contact because my dumbass was like, "All right, I'm going to get my back. I'm just going in for like this epidural procedure to them take these little fragments off the disc, and then hey, I won't be in pain, so we'll go train later." So uh which I actually did once. So yeah. Randy's my emergency <laughs> contact and I wake up on this gurney and Randy Couture is standing over me and I'm like, well, if I'm dead, I ain't in heaven because his ass wouldn't be here. <laughs> 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 that wasn't good. But look, my oh, and my that's unbreakable that's- moment did lead me to go say, hey, I've got to now God has given me this lease on life where I now have to go do more of my life to help others. And This podcast is part of that. This book is part of that. MVP was part of that. My other charities I've started is is part of that. It's being of service. I had to do more with this life than what I had done up to that point. And same for you, man. Like you had a situation where you and Tracy was really hard. Uh, There's a lot of challenges raising a child with autism. For you to use it to help others, not everybody does that. So again, it's, it's my favorite thing about you guys, man. I love you. No, guys. I appreciate so it. And, and no,
2: and, 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 Jay, the giving back, you know, I, I, yeah. I had heard a, uh, I heard a sermon one day where this guy, where the priest was talking about depression and then the number of his, in his opinion, yeah. the number one cure for, for, for depression is, is giving, yep. giving being back. Being of
4: service. Absolutely. If you
2: keep, if you're constantly giving back and, and being of service, yes, then that was his, to him, that was his number one cure.
4: Buddy, I appreciate you joining me. Thank you for for, for being vulnerable. I am going to charge you $500 for laying on my couch today, so thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a therapist, but I am going to charge you $500 for today. Thank you for joining me, Snods. I appreciate it, brother.
2: But you do play one on TV.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Josh Schneider, not the one from Dukes of Hazard, but the general manager of the Seattle Seahawks.